In March 1848, two sisters heard strange sounds in their rural New York home. 11-year-old Kate Fox clasped her big sister's hand while 14-year-old Maggie tried to look brave. They both listened as someone, or something, knocked on their walls. They couldn't tell where the noises were coming from, but they sounded intentional, like someone was trying to communicate with them. Kate and Maggie could only come to one conclusion. Their house was haunted. They asked the supposed ghost some questions, and shockingly, they got answers. Communicating through knocks, the spirit introduced himself. He said he was a 33-year-old man and that many years prior, he'd been murdered. But that wasn't all. He also said he was buried in the fox's basement. Soon, neighbors caught wind of this spooky story. Skeptical, they asked to search the fox's basement. Lo and behold, they found strands of hair and bone fragments. It seemed that someone really had been buried in the girl's home. Kate and Maggie became instant celebrities. Their story kickstarted a movement known as spiritualism, the belief that humans could talk to the dead. But 40 years later, in 1888, the sisters confessed that it had all been a hoax. They'd created the knocking sounds by cracking their joints or secretly dragging objects across the floor. It was too late to set the record straight. Spiritualism had already taken the country by storm, and everyone wanted a glimpse of the paranormal. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our second of four parts on life after death. Each episode will explore a different facet of the afterlife, from near-death experiences to hauntings to exorcisms. We'll try to solve the greatest mystery of all, what happens after we die. This episode, we're looking into the ways people have tried to prove that spirits exist. Ghost hunters have been around for hundreds of years, and they might be on the cusp of their greatest discovery yet. Next time, we'll investigate haunted houses. We'll explore whether the dead linger in our world, tied to certain locations by traumatic events. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with your no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season is better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com forward slash guarantees. Going for your first ever run around the park. 
Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. According to recent polls, 42% of Americans believe that ghosts exist. Around 20% say they've actually seen a spirit. For believers, those numbers suggest that paranormal phenomena must be real. For skeptics, they reveal just how gullible people can be. Of course, nobody's definitively proven that spirits exist, yet. But modern ghost hunters are trying to document the paranormal. They haven't succeeded yet, even though they began their work 200 years ago with the invention of photography. The first ever photograph was taken by French inventor Nicéphore Niepce in 1826. Photography was a major technological breakthrough, and to many people, it seemed like magic. Lehman couldn't explain how pictures seemed to suddenly appear on the film. This wasn't the only startling innovation of the era. Around the same time, scientists harnessed the power of electricity. In the 19th century, this was a mysterious force. It traveled through wires, and unless these cords happened to spark, the energy seemed invisible. Both photography and electricity relied on forces that most people couldn't see or understand. It made them wonder what else existed just out of sight. New research and discoveries, like the theory of evolution, challenged old religious creeds. Science, not the Bible, became people's primary source of information. And without organized religion, people needed new answers to life's biggest questions. A movement called spiritualism filled that void. 11-year-old Kate and 14-year-old Maggie Fox inadvertently started the fad. In the 19th century, they pretended their house was haunted, and this simple prank became a national obsession. People truly believed the sisters had communicated with the dead. Suddenly, it seemed plausible that some individuals could speak to spirits. So people all over the country claimed to be mediums, human conduits who could commune with the deceased. Mediums held seances where ghosts supposedly knocked on tables or levitated chairs. Spiritualist newspapers published the latest paranormal findings. And before long, the quest to speak with ghosts became intertwined with 19th century technology. The first person to merge science with spiritualism was 29-year-old William H. Mumler. He was a Bostonian photographer who took a self-portrait one day in the summer of 1861. Back then, photography was a lot more complicated than it is today. Mumler prepped a glass plate, put it in the camera, removed the lens covering, and stepped into the scene. 
He stood next to an empty chair and held his pose for about a minute. Then he walked out of frame and replaced the lens cap. Mumler went to a dark room to develop his picture. As the image appeared, he saw himself standing beside the chair. But something was wrong. Someone else was in the shot. There was a woman sitting in the chair. Her body was translucent. Parts of the chair were visible through her skirt. Her face was blurry, but she had a halo of light around her head. At first, Mumler thought he'd made a mistake. He'd probably used a glass plate that hadn't been properly cleaned. The plate would have still had the residual image from a previous photograph imprinted on it. Essentially, he thought he'd accidentally superimposed two photos. But then he showed the image to his friends. They were spiritualists, and they thought the woman was a ghost. They told Mumler that it must be the spirit of a loved one. Mumler slowly became convinced. His cousin had passed away 12 years before, and the ghostly figure looked a bit like her. The story of Mumler's photograph spread like wildfire. Parents, widows, and children crowded into his studio, begging to have their portraits taken with spirits, too. They all desperately wanted to see their deceased loved ones. Mumler obliged, capturing photograph after photograph of ghostly figures surrounding his clients. Mumler became the country's first spirit photographer. His business boomed. Each of his photographs sold for $10, the equivalent of about $300 today. His clientele included many elite members of society. Even President Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, visited him. She wanted a photograph of her son Willie, who died when he was just 11 years old. Although wealthy customers flocked to the studio, some photographers questioned Mumler's methods. They suspected he was lying, but couldn't find any evidence that he'd tampered with his film or cameras. They examined the glass plates to ensure they were clean and watched Mumler put them in the camera. He never had the chance to switch out the clean plates with used ones. Instead of proving Mumler was a trickster, these skeptics each left with a photograph of themselves. In every portrait, they were accompanied by the shadowy outline of a departed relative. People had to admit that Mumler's spirit pictures seemed legitimate. And it wasn't just that they couldn't explain his methods. In many ways, Americans desperately wanted ghosts to be real. The boom in spirit photography coincided with another major event, the Civil War. An estimated 750,000 Americans died on the battlefield. The country experienced its steepest population decline ever. Every day, newspapers published long lists of casualties. Families read through the names anxiously, wondering if their son, father, brother, or husband would ever come home. For those who lost loved ones, the chance to communicate with the deceased was everything. And so, Mumler's spirit photography business kept growing, right until 1863, when a man visited Mumler's studio. He perused the photos on display, and he noticed that one of the ghostly figures looked a lot like his wife, who was still alive. In fact, his wife had ordered a portrait at Mumler's studio several years prior, before he was known for spirit photography. She remembered the exact hat she wore for the sitting. 
and it was identical to the one that appeared on her ghostly form. It was the same photograph of her. Somehow, it had been made to look shadowy, then superimposed on another portrait. Soon, more people realized that the so-called ghosts in their photos were all alive, and they were all people who'd posed for portraits at Mumler's gallery. The Boston spiritualist community immediately distanced themselves from Mumler. He was a fraud, and they didn't want his bad reputation to undermine their movement. Locals heard of his fake photos, and his once successful business hit rock bottom. By 1865, Mumler was forced to shutter his Boston studio. But he wasn't done with spirit photography yet. In 1868, he set up shop in New York. He had a new potential client base who wanted to believe that his photos were real. His business grew extremely popular, but once again, the success didn't last long. The next year, in 1869, New York police arrested Mumler for fraud. At his trial, witnesses described watching him closely as he took their pictures. They knew he was doing something to the photos, but no one could figure out how he pulled off his trick. Which meant nobody could definitively prove that Mumler had manipulated the photographs. So he was acquitted. After his trial, Mumler continued taking pictures. Mary Todd Lincoln even visited him again in 1872. This portrait showed the vague outline of a man with his hands on her shoulders. The face was unmistakable. It was her husband, President Abraham Lincoln. He'd been assassinated seven years prior. If Mumler's spirit photos were fake, no one ever discovered how he produced them. It's likely that he used double exposure on old plates, but we still don't know how he managed to do this without anyone else noticing. Maybe that's because Mumler wasn't a fake after all. Perhaps his spirit photos were real, and they were the first step in proving that ghosts exist. But it would take more than a few disputed pictures to reveal the secrets of the afterlife. When spirit photography fell out of fashion, spiritualists tested different methods for paranormal communication. They didn't just want to see ghosts, they wanted to talk to them. But speaking with ghosts could have disastrous consequences. Coming up, the Ouija board possibly opens the door to demons. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows, others operate in plain sight. All are absolutely sinister. 
Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with your no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com forward slash guarantees. Now back to the story. In the 19th century, spiritualists tried to communicate with ghosts. They thought scientific inventions like photography could help them see beyond the veil. But when William Mumler's spirit photos were exposed as a hoax, people looked elsewhere for proof of the paranormal. In the mid-1800s, French spiritualists invented the planchette. This was a heart-shaped wooden disc with a pencil attached to it. Mediums moved the planchette, believing spirits could act through them and write messages. People could finally hear exactly what ghosts had to say. But the process was long and often confusing. The design needed to be simplified, so in 1886, spiritualists in Ohio combined the planchette with a board covered in letters and numbers. They called their invention the talking board, and they argued that you didn't need a medium to operate it. Anyone could place their fingers on the planchette, and it would magically move, spelling out ghostly messages. The invention was so popular that in 1890, a group of investors created the Kennard Novelty Company. They didn't believe in ghosts, but they knew an opportunity when they saw one. They wanted to sell talking boards to the masses. This included a bit of rebranding. Perhaps to make their boards seem more mystical, the Kennard Company renamed it Ouija. According to one of the company's founders, Elijah Bond, his sister-in-law came up with a new title. She was a medium named Helen Peters. While using the board, she asked it what it wanted to be called. It allegedly answered Ouija and said the strange phrase meant good luck. However, at the time, Peters often wore a locket with a picture of a woman called Ouija. In all likelihood, she actually inspired the name. Either way, in 1891, the Kennard Novelty Company filed to patent their Ouija board. But for the request to be authorized, they had to prove that it actually worked. Bond and Peters showed the board to a patent officer, who hadn't introduced himself. The officer said that if the board could spell out his name, he'd approve their paperwork. The three placed their hands on the planchette. It jerked into motion, and sure enough, it spelled out the officer's name. Bond left the office with his patent. With the paperwork secured, the Kennard Novelty Company sold 2,000 boards each week. The Ouija board brought spiritualism into the mainstream. 
In advertisements, it was marketed as both a link to the spirit realm and a fun family game. It promised to answer any question, quote, about the past, present, and future with marvelous accuracy. But no one knew how it actually worked. In fact, the Kennard Novelty Company was deliberately vague about its machinations. This secrecy may have made Ouija boards even more popular. They sold well throughout most of the 20th century. Then, in 1973, their reputation took a big hit, thanks to the movie The Exorcist. The film was supposedly based on a true story. It portrayed a young girl who used a Ouija board, and in doing so, opened a portal to a hellish dimension. A demon took possession of her, all because of a fun family game. The Exorcist depicted Ouija boards in a new light. They were no longer innocent toys, but real portals to hell. To this day, many ghost hunters and mediums warn against using Ouija boards, lest participants become vulnerable to evil spirits. But according to research, Ouija boards don't have anything to do with the paranormal. There's a rational explanation for their otherworldly messages. People often move without consciously thinking about it, and they aren't always aware of their own small muscle twitches. This unconscious movement is called the ideomotor response. When people put their hands on something light and slippery, like a planchette, these unconscious movements are amplified. A small twitch might push the planchette to a different letter. This gives the impression that the planchette is moving by itself. In other words, people who use Ouija boards unconsciously spell out the answers to their own questions. But the boards aren't useless. They really do help people find answers. In a 2011 experiment, researchers asked participants a series of trivia questions. They answered correctly about 50% of the time. Then they were blindfolded and given a Ouija board. The researchers said that another participant also had their hands on the planchette, but in reality, the other player was working with the researchers and would secretly remove their hands. All the movement came from the lone participant. The scientists asked another series of questions and told participants to answer through the Ouija board. This time, they answered about 65% of the questions correctly. In other words, they were significantly more accurate when they believed the board was supplying their responses. So even though Ouija boards might not reveal anything about the paranormal, they do show something interesting about human psychology. People know more than they think they do. They just need to trust themselves. Today, Ouija boards are pretty much debunked. But in the 20th century, they were hailed as one of the top tools for spiritual communication. They brought ghost hunting into the mainstream and inspired new paranormal research. In fact, in 1920s England, a man named Harry Price became the country's first psychic investigator. Price had originally trained as a magician. Thanks to his knowledge of trickery, he made a career out of debunking sham mediums and fake supernatural encounters. Although he regularly disproved ghost stories, Price was a true believer. He created the first how-to guides and toolkits for ghost hunters. 
His kit included a camera, a ball of string, chalk to mark objects' locations in case they moved, flour to check for footprints, mercury for detecting vibrations, and a pair of felt shoes for quiet walking. Thanks to Price's kits, people could use specialized equipment and seek hard data to prove the existence of spirits. After World War II, as technological innovation exploded, ghost hunters moved with the times. They added a new tool to their repertoires, audio recorders. In 1959, a Swedish filmmaker named Friedrich Jürgensen used a tape recorder to capture the sound of birds chirping in his backyard. But when he played the tape back, he heard something very different. According to him, it sounded like there were human voices on the recording. Jürgensen thought they were his wife and father, both of whom had passed away. Amidst the chirping, he allegedly heard his departed loved ones calling his name. Jürgensen also heard another voice, one that told him to start using a radio. So, he set an AM radio to a frequency with no audio signal. Usually, this would only produce white noise. But Jürgensen claimed that sometimes he heard an unusual hiss that contained unearthly voices. This was how Jürgensen helped establish the field of electronic voice phenomena, or EVP. In ghost hunting, EVP refers to inexplicable voices caught on a recording device or radio. In the late 1960s, Jürgensen teamed up with a Latvian parapsychologist named Konstantin Raudiv. Together, they made over 100,000 EVP recordings, some in laboratory-controlled conditions that blocked out stray radio frequencies. In other words, Jürgensen and Raudiv made sure their experiments were legitimate. They set up a tape recorder and asked questions. After about 15 minutes, they turned the recorder off and played it back. If spirits answered, they heard the voices on tape. Raudiv believed they came from an alternate reality inhabited by the dead. In a 1971 experiment, Raudiv and a group of sound engineers created a recording that lasted 18 minutes. They monitored the tape in real time and observed nothing out of the ordinary. But when they played the recordings back, they allegedly heard over 200 different voices. The speech wasn't always clear. The speakers switched between languages, used unusual grammar, and sometimes spoke backwards. Plus, some of the messages weren't pretty. They included phrases like, quote, Here is night, brothers. Here, the birds burn. Raudiv also claimed to record major historical figures, including Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, and Churchill. However, there were inconsistencies with these recordings. According to Raudiv, Hitler spoke in Latvian, a language he didn't know when he was alive. These aren't the only irregularities in EVP, and the practice is controversial. Humans are naturally inclined to seek out patterns and find meaning in randomness. When they hear something that's hard to understand, they'll automatically fill in the blanks without realizing it. In other words, if someone expects to hear voices, they probably will, even if there's nothing on the tape. British sound artist Joe Banks compared EVP recordings to a Rorschach test. People might interpret ink blots as paintings of butterflies or bridges. EVPs work the same way. 
People find patterns and words in the chaos of random noise. Even seasoned ghost hunters warn against taking EVP too seriously. They point out how easy it is to capture ambient noise. There's no way to know that a sound was actually caused by a ghost. Fortunately, EVP isn't the only way to track down spirits. As the 20th century neared its end, ghost hunters discovered their most powerful tool yet, electromagnetic fields. Coming up, the evidence that ghosts communicate through electricity. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Now back to the story. As society advanced technologically, so did ghost hunting. For over a century, people experimented with techniques to prove that hauntings were real. Each new method reflected the developments of a particular era, from photography to Ouija boards to tape recorders. By the 1990s, ghost hunters had a new tool of the trade, an electromagnetic field detector, or EMF detector. EMF detectors really took off with the rise of paranormal television shows. The popular program Ghost Hunters featured two EMF detectors that hosts claimed were especially calibrated to find spirit activity. In one episode, they used these detectors inside a crumbling New York estate. The homeowner wanted to sell the estate, but he'd been seeing strange apparitions in its many winding halls. In one room, two hosts set up an EMF detector that displayed a scale with a needle resting on its left-hand side. When EMF levels rose, the needle lifted. If they spiked, it flew all the way to the right. Once it was set up, the host sat quietly in the dark room, illuminating the EMF detector with a flashlight. One of them asked if they were alone. The needle bounced. This seemed like clear evidence that the ghost hunters were speaking with a spirit. They asked this paranormal visitor if it was okay to sell the home. The needle jumped higher this time, almost halfway up the scale. They took this as a yes. According to the ghost hunters, the spirits supported the decision. While this conversation went on, the other two hosts made their way upstairs to the ballroom. Their EMF detector was slightly different. Instead of a needle and scale, it used circular lights. Depending on the intensity of the electromagnetic field pulses, these lights might flash green, blue, or red. The hosts placed the detector on a table. Before they even started asking questions, the lights flashed blue. One host asked if there was a spirit in the room. The meter lit up. They asked if there was a second ghost somewhere in the house. 
the lights flickered again. On television, the evidence looks pretty spooky. Paranormal beings appeared to directly communicate through these lights and scales. And TV hosts and spiritualists often do everything they can to convince audiences that EMF beeps are legitimate proof of spirits and to explain how they work. There are several theories about how EMFs might be related to spirits. It's possible that ghosts are made up of electromagnetic energy and cause fluctuations when they appear. Or perhaps past events, like a traumatic death, leave a residual impact on an area's electromagnetic field. But this might not actually be the case. EMF meters measure changes in electromagnetic fields. The fields can shift when electrically charged atoms move, and such atoms exist practically everywhere. All electronic devices and wires can change electromagnetic fields. So do radio waves, television antennas, cell phone towers, and even natural events like lightning. Normally, electricians use EMF detectors to find energy leaks which are associated with faulty wiring. However, ghost hunters co-opted this technology for supernatural uses, even though there's no proven connection between EMFs and paranormal activity. However, there might be a link between EMFs and sensations associated with hauntings. EMFs can impact human perception. They may cause dizziness, headaches, and hallucinations. They can also create a sense of fear and even make people feel like they're being touched. These sensations can make people think they're in the presence of ghosts. That's what happened in 1996, when a 17-year-old girl said that each night she was visited by a baby and the Holy Spirit. She sensed these beings somewhere around her left shoulder. To the left of the girl's bed, researchers found a clock that emitted electromagnetic pulses. They also learned that the girl had experienced a mild brain injury when she was born, which may have made her more susceptible to electromagnetic fields. They took the clock away, and the girl stopped experiencing the ghostly sensations. Seven years later, in 2003, British psychologists found another connection between perceived hauntings and EMFs. They studied two different locations that were allegedly haunted, but the areas where people reported strange phenomena tended to have higher variances in magnetic fields. In other words, if you feel a ghostly presence, that's probably not evidence of an actual spirit. Instead, they're most likely your own psychological and physiological responses to electronic pulses. Equipment like heat-sensing devices, EMF detectors, and digital voice recorders lend a veneer of credibility to ghost hunting. They promise hard evidence, but these tools measure phenomena that probably have nothing to do with the supernatural. Nevertheless, ghosts are a lucrative business. Paranormal television is a major genre with hundreds of shows, Psychics and mediums generate $2.2 billion each year. Reportedly, haunted hotels attract countless customers, and most cities offer a plethora of ghost tours. All of these industries cater to people's desire for a paranormal experience. After all, people want to believe in ghosts. 
Some are looking for the reassurance that something lies on the other side. Others want a sense of control in a chaotic world. But mostly, ghosts pique people's sense of the unknown. In a world shaped by science, we still don't know everything that's out there. Ghosts could be the last frontier of human exploration. Maybe one day, someone will invent something that will finally produce proof of the paranormal. Until then, many people remain firmly convinced that ghosts exist. Some claim they've seen them firsthand. And some even say that spirits have shown up on their doorsteps, hungry for blood. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with part three of Life After Death. We'll explore haunted houses, places where angry spirits linger and may even attack the living. For more information on spiritualism, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Apparitionists by Peter Manso extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Kirsten Liu, with writing assistance by Karis Allen and Angela Jorgensen. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein, and research by Chelsea Wood. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination, each week, we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.